You are listening to The Ace, Alex Cardinal Entertainment Network, with your host, the crazy Alex Cardinal from Springfield, Massachusetts. You can expect the unexpected on The Ace Network. Now, on to today's show. You are listening to Aquatic Wetline Live from Ace Network. The Aquatic Wetline is the first and original aquarium-keeping podcast that specifically focuses on freshwater fish, and it will continue to focus on freshwater fish. The Aquatic Wetline will discuss everything freshwater from Oscar cichlids and other South and Central America cichlids to catfish, tetras, barbs, and more. Plus, we will also chat saltwater and reptiles. You can expect nothing but the best on Aquatic Wetline. Now let's dive deep into the fish tank and see what our fishy friends have to say tonight. Now, from Ace Network Studios, here is your host, the monster fish lover himself, Oscar Alex Cardinelli. The Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by Akari Sales USA. School of Fish, Inc., Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish, and Blue View Aquatics. Don't forget to head to your local fish store or pet shop to pick up some Hikari products, such as our famous Hikari Bio-Pure Frozen Foods, which include delicious treats such as bloodworms, mysis shrimp, brine shrimp, and more. If you live in Western Massachusetts, be sure to stop by School of Fish, Inc., and Fish Frenzy Tropical Fish for the finest quality in freshwater and saltwater livestock, fish tanks, and more. Now, let's get on with the podcast. Remember, you can download today's podcast via iTunes or by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash aquaalex. Now, aquaalex, take it away. So I have a lot planned for today's show. 
Now, my show agenda today is I'm going to have a chat on some of my personal favorite tropical fish species. Some of the fish species I'm going to talk about tonight include the chocolate cichlid, the Salvini cichlid. I'm also, for the first time in a long time, going to be talking about some smaller species of fish. I know that I, in fact, like I support a lot of monster fish on the aquatic wetline before, but I actually do support some of the smaller fish as well. And today I'll be talking about rummy nose tetras, which I love, Ordocinculus catfish, which are another one of my personal favorite fish. And I'll also be talking about the royal pocostomus, the green terror, cichlid, and some other wonderful fish species tonight on the aquatic wetline. Now, also tonight, I will talk about the ACA, American Cichlid Association Convention, coming up in July of 2015, right here where I live in Springfield, Mass. I'll talk about the proper aquarium maintenance for your freshwater aquarium, and I'll also talk about aquarium decor and all that other great stuff. So I have a lot of stuff going on tonight. Now, I'm not sure if my co-host, Fishkeeper Jeff, is going to be here tonight or not, but I'm still going to have a great show. I know Jeff injured himself today, so I'm not sure if he's going to be able to be on the show tonight, but I, Aqua Alice Cardinelli, will bring to you an awesome show regardless. Now, today's fishkeeping show is being brought to you by Akari Sales USA and School of Fish, Inc. So make sure you check out Akari at your local fish store or your pet store and buy their foods and use their foods. I'm pretty sure their foods are going to make your fish very happy. And if you're listening from Western Mass, make sure you check out School of Fish, Inc. right here in Indian Orchard, Massachusetts. They have some wonderful livestock, some wonderful aquarium equipment, and the best prices for brand-new fish tanks. So check them out. They're on Page Boulevard in Indian Orchard, Massachusetts. Now today's show is being brought to you live. So you're more than welcome to go ahead and call in. The call-in number is one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. You can call in to discuss your personal favorite freshwater fish or ask me a question on fish or call in to talk freshwater fish. That's one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. I'd love to hear from some of you fish keepers, so go ahead and dial in. One three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, get started because I have a lot of wonderful fish species that I am going to be talking about. So I'll start by talking about the chocolate cichlid. Now this is a cichlid that reminds me of an Oscar in appearance, but the chocolate cichlid is more docile than the Oscar, and it's a little bit more peaceful than the Oscar. Now, the chocolate cichlid comes in two species. You have the temporalis chocolate cichlid, which is my personal favorite chocolate cichlid of them all. I love the temporalis chocolate cichlid. And then there is another version of the chocolate cichlid that stays a little bit smaller than the temporalis. I'm not sure how to pronounce that scientific name. Uh, but the, I know there's two species of chocolate cichlids out there. But the most common one that you're going to see all over your fish stores is the temporalis chocolate cichlid. 
Now, chocolate cichlids are one of the easiest South American cichlids to cure for in the aquarium hobby. They're not finicky like discus or any of the other um, South American cichlids, and they can pretty much live with almost anything. Now, chocolate cichlids do get pretty big. Chocolate cichlids are going to grow anywhere from 8 to 12 inches in length, so they are going to require a big tank. I recommend for a chocolate cichlid anywhere from a 75-gallon aquarium up to a 300-gallon aquarium because chocolate cichlids do grow pretty large. As a matter of fact, chocolate cichlids can be kept in schools, and they are very beautiful-looking, and they look very beautiful-looking in schools. Now, for color, chocolate cichlids are going to have a nice dark brown color that sometimes will translate to a nice dark red color. So you have a nice amber brown to nice dark red color. And some chocolate cichlids are going to have a beautiful purple coloration as well. Now, um, your male chocolate cichlids are going to develop a nice cichlid hump as they mature. Now, I think the male chocolate cichlids are very beautiful. They're one of my personal favorite cichlids of all time. Every time I have a South American cichlid tank, I have to have a chocolate cichlid in them. Now, chocolate cichlids come from Peru, Venezuela, Colombia, and Brazil, and they are very, very nice looking. Everyone that has South American cichlids has had or has a chocolate cichlid in their aquarium. Now, tank mates for chocolate cichlids could include anything from angelfish to uh, geophagus to severums to walrus to oscars to festivums to silver dollars to plecos to catfish, etc. But keep in mind that chocolate cichlids will grow to a larger size, so they will eat smaller fish like your rummy nose tetras and your otocinculus and your neon tetras. So I personally would recommend keeping chocolate cichlids with larger fish, medium to larger fish that are too big to be eaten. Like any fish that gets pretty big, chocolate cichlids have big eyes, so they're going to see anything small and think of it as food. So basically I tell people that don't like Oscars because of their size and their aggression, that chocolate cichlids could be for them because chocolate cichlids could be a suitable replacement for Oscars. But in my 120-gallon aquarium right now, I have a beautiful chocolate cichlid in with my Oscars, and he's doing fantastic with them. He is so peaceful and mellow, he doesn't even bother any of my Oscars or any of my fish in my aquarium. I personally love the chocolate cichlid. Now, chocolate cichlids are not rare at all. You're going to find a lot of chocolate cichlids all over your fish stores. They should be available year-round because a lot of them are bred now. Um, and you, back in the old days, a lot of them were wild-caught, but 90% of them now are being tank-raised and uh, being captive-bred, which is a good thing because that means the prices have come down a lot for the chocolate cichlid. Now, for a juvenile chocolate cichlid that you're going to find anywhere uh, 2 inches to 4 inches, your price is probably going to be around $10 to $15 for a juvenile chocolate. Now, for a semi-adult chocolate, anywhere from 5 to 7 inches, you're going to pay anywhere from $20 to $30 for that size chocolate cichlid. 
And for an adult chocolate stick with an extra-large chocolate, let's say 8 to 12 inches, expect to pay anywhere from $30 to $50. This, of course, depends on your local fish store and your area because for some reason, some areas will have access to chocolate cichlids year-round and some areas won't. So it all depends on your local fish store's availability to their wholesalers on what your price for chocolate cichlids will be. Now, do I think beginners could keep a chocolate cichlid? Hell yes, I do. Chocolate cichlids are very easy to care for, and I think a beginner could house and care for a chocolate cichlid. However, a beginner must realize that a chocolate cichlid is going to get very large. So the beginner must realize that they're going to need a pretty large tank. You can start growing out your chocolate cichlid in a 55-gallon aquarium, but then you're going to need to work up to a 75-gallon aquarium, or even better, a 120-gallon aquarium. So beginners, if you want a chocolate cichlid, please keep this in mind that chocolates are going to get very large very quickly. So you're going to need at least a 75-gallon tank for life. Now, for me, when I see a chocolate cichlid, I say, that's a very nice fish. But, unfortunately, a lot of chocolate cichlids out there will develop hole in the head. And hole in the head, as we discussed on our hole in the head show way back when, in our Oscar Cichlid Keepers Hour, is caused by poor diet and poor water quality. So, to prevent this, I recommend people feeding high-quality foods to their chocolate cichlids. I recommend feeding a good-quality pellet food, like Kari offers. New Life Spectrum has some wonderful uh, pellets out there for you to try. And um, Omega-1 has some awesome pellets as well. So feed some good-quality pellet foods to your chocolate cichlid. You can also offer earthworms. Earthworms offer a lot of great protein to your fish. You can also offer uh, live bloodworms and uh, live blackworms. And I recommend offering frozen bloodworms, frozen brine shrimp, and all the frozen foods as a treat because they offer a lot of minerals and vitamins but not too much protein. So make sure you offer the frozen foods as a treat, earthworms, pellets, and good quality protein foods as a part of their staple. And you can also offer market shrimp, tilapia, krill as a treat as well. And I definitely would not feed live foods to, uh, to Oscars or chocolate cichlids because um, chocolate cichlids really don't need to eat live fish. And if they do, it's going to lead to cases of hole in the head in chocolate cichlids. Now, chocolate cichlids are very easy to feed, so you should not have no problem feeding your chocolate cichlid whatsoever. Now, for the water quality of chocolate cichlids, they come from the Amazon, so they're going to require a neutral pH, and I personally recommend a pH of anywhere from 6.8 to 7.4 and ammonia at zero and make sure that your water, uh, water parameters are where they need to be for your chocolate cichlid. Make sure you do a lot of water changes with your chocolate cichlid. If the water levels get out of whack or if the morning gets high or if the pH gets too high, then your chocolate cichlid is going to stress out and be a very dark color. 
very dark and stressed. If your chocolate stick with the sun has that deep brown or that nice amber brown, amber red color, then they are stressed out. If they're pitch black, they are stressed out. They're almost like discus in that way. If the water parameters aren't to their liking, they're going to be dark black and really stressed out, and they can develop hole in the head that way. They're also very sensitive to metal in the water. So make sure you keep any metal materials or make sure there's no metal in your water because the chocolate stick will develop hole in the head that way as well. But overall, if you provide a good quality diet and you do your plenty of water changes and you keep an eye on your water quality, you should have no problems keeping chocolate cichlids in your home aquarium. Now, I have raised several chocolate cichlids in the past, and I've always said that they are a very beautiful cichlid, and I always like chocolate cichlids, and um, I think they're an awesome cichlid. They look beautiful under a nice light in your aquarium. My chocolate looks fantastic under a nice lighted aquarium, so I like to recommend having a nice light in their aquarium, and the males will develop a nice hump, as I mentioned already. Okay, so for more information on the chocolate cichlids, I have done a show on chocolate cichlids here on the Aquatic Wetline. And to hear that show about chocolate cichlids, please go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Alice Card Network to hear me talk about chocolate cichlids. I have all the wonderful information you need to hear on chocolate cichlids at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Alice Card Network. All right, so moving along, I want to talk about my next cichlid that I'm going to talk about tonight, and that is the Salvini cichlid. This is my Central American cichlid of choice that I'm going to be talking about this week. Now, Salvinis are very nice little uh, dwarf cichlid, in my personal opinion, because Salvinis don't get monstrous like other Central American cichlids like the Amphilophis or um, the Umbis or the other Central American cichlids. Salvinis stay small. Um, your male Salvinis will get pretty big. Your male Salvinis will reach anywhere from six to eight inches in length, but generally will not get past that. So male Salvinis will reach anywhere from six to eight inches, while female Salvinis are going to get anywhere from four to five. So your size range for Salvinis is four to eight inches in total length. But with Salvini's lack in length, they make up for in coloration and aggression. That's right. Salvini cichlids are very, very aggressive. They are very aggressive for a small cichlid. Now, I have seen Salvini cichlids kill tiger barbs. I have seen Salvini cichlids kill small Oscars, small Severums, and smaller South American cichlids on YouTube. I like the Salvini cichlids when I am keeping a Central American cichlid tank or an aggressive cichlid tank. I think Salvini cichlids are an awesome cichlid if you're into aggressive fish. However, if you are not into aggressive fish, and the Salvini cichlid is definitely not for you because the Salvini could potentially kill your fish. And if you love fish, you definitely don't want that happening to you. 
Now, um, Salvinis have bright coloration. The males are going to have less coloration than the females, and that's expected with a lot of cichlids out there. A lot of cichlids, uh, a lot of the cichlid males are going to have less color than the females. And in this case of Salvinis, the female Salvini has tremendous color. The female Salvini has a nice orange belly with some dark yellow coloration, and the female Salvini looks fantastic. I love the female Salvini. Now, in my particular experiences, a female Salvini is less aggressive than a male Salvini. Now, I've always found in my personal experiences the female Salvini to be less aggressive than a male Salvini, and I'm not sure why that is. I guess that uh, females are more nicer going and more calmer than um, a male Salvini. However, it was able to defend itself and stick up for itself. So that's just my personal case, but I would never ever recommend anyone keeping a Salvini in a community aquarium. Now, if you have an aggressive community tank with other aggressive cichlids, then yes, I personally recommend a Salvini cichlid to you. But these are really aggressive cichlids, and I feel they need to be kept in an aggressive tank. Now, tank mates for a Salvini would include, would include things like Jack Dempsey's, Green Terrors, Firemouths, Red Devils, any other parachromous species, tinfoil barbs, silver dollars, uh, bale sharks, anything that's going to grow large and it'll be too fast for them to catch and kill. And you obviously want to put in large or growing fish with them so they won't kill and eat them. And you want to put aggressive fish in with them so they can defend themselves. You obviously don't want to put these in with angelfish, walru, festivums, geophagus, discus, oscars, or angelfish because they will eventually kill all those poor South American cichlids. And you guys know how much I love South American cichlids, so I definitely don't want to see that happen to any of the beautiful South American cichlids that are out there. Okay? Now, feeding your Salvini cichlid. Now, a Salvini cichlid is a meat-eating carnivore, so you want to provide a lot of great food to your Salvini. So you can offer things like Akari bloodworms, Akari brine shrimp. You can offer Akari cichlid gold pellets, Omega-1 pellets, New Life Spectrum pellets, market shrimp, and things of that nature. I have never, ever had a problem feeding my Salvini cichlid. Now, your area, your fish stores and your pet stores in your area should have no problem getting in Salvinis for you. Now, um, Salvinis aren't rare at all, and I believe Pecos and Pet Supplies Plus and PetSmart should eventually stock Salvinis. I've seen Salvinis at my Peco and my PetSmart, so that should tell everyone that they're not rare. However, if you live in a small town or a small city, your fish stores may have a hard time getting them. But I think that all the fish stores in your area should be stocking Salvinis because they're not rare at all. Now, a price range for Salvinis is going to be relatively cheap. Um, a Salvini will range anywhere 
for a juvenile, let's say one to two inches, I've seen them in my area go for three to five dollars. And three to four inches, usually it's a max cutoff size. That's the largest I've ever seen for a small bee in my area, go anywhere from ten to fifteen dollars. So relatively, Salvinis are very cheap. Like I said, anywhere from three to fifteen dollars for a Salvini cichlid. Now, do I like the Salvini? Yes, I do. They are a very cool cichlid. I like them. They're one of my personal favorite Central American cichlids, and I think they're actually quite adorable, even though they are very aggressive. I like them a hell of a lot better than I like the convict cichlids. Hell, I don't even like convict cichlids. I love the Salvini cichlid. It's a very, very beautiful fish. A lot of yellow coloration with a lot of black botches and dark orange coloration, and they're very beautiful fish. So if you're if you're interested in keeping aggressive fish and you want a Salvini, I'd like to personally recommend to you guys to get a female Salvini. A female Salvini is the best Salvini to get in my personal experience because they offer the best coloration. All right, the male Salvinis are going to have some coloration. But the females are going to offer some more coloration for you. So I like to recommend getting a female Salvini. Okay? All right. So those are the first two fish that I'm going to talk about. So if you have any questions on chocolate cichlids or Salvinis, please go ahead and call in live at 1-347-989-8142. That's 1-347-989-8142. And if you have any live questions on chocolate cichlids or Salvinis, go ahead and call in. Now, if you're listening to the archive version of today's episode and you have a question on chocolate cichlids or Salvinis, please go ahead and uh, email me at alexcardinelli93 at gmail.com. That's alexcardinelli93 at gmail.com. Or you can tweet me on Twitter at alexcardinelli1. Okay? All right. So right now I'm going to move into my first topic for the evening since we talked about my first two fish. Now I want to get to my first topic of the evening, and that is aquarium decorations. Now, I see a lot of people going out and throwing in things that they get from Walmart or Kmart or Target into their aquarium. You don't want to do that because you don't know what chemicals are lying into that stuff that you buy from Walmart, Target, or Kmart. You could be having chemicals that can cause allergic reactions to your fish or, unfortunately, kill your fish. I like to tell people, if you need decorations in your aquarium, make sure you buy the decorations from places like Petco, PetSmart, Petsupplies Plus, and your local fish store. That way you know that they're not, there's not going to be harmful chemicals in your products. So if you have to have aquarium decor in your aquarium, do not buy them from Walmart or anything like that. Um, you could buy the aquarium decor from the Walmart pet department because I know that the Walmart pet department has fish tank decorations, but I'm talking about things like, uh, large stones and, um, general merchandise stuff that you guys see, like you might see a nice, cool fish sticker, a uh, nice, cool, um, cartoon type fish 
or you might see something that interests you, like a snowball or something like that. You don't want to put those kind of things into your aquarium, like I said, because they can cause um, chemical reactions that could eventually kill your fish, which would be very unfortunate for you because we all love our fish. So stick with the pet department's natural fish decorations. So like your PetSmart, your Petco, your Pet Supplies Plus, the Walmart Fish Department, and your fish store decorations are what you want for aquarium decorations. Now, you can go with those decorations, the ones that your fish store and pet stores have. Those are very nice. But I prefer a natural look to my aquarium. So what I do is I actually go outside and I get some rocks. Now, you can, go out, you can go outside and pick up some rocks for your aquarium as well. Now, here's what I do. I go outside, select my rocks, and I put them in a large um, sauce pot or stock pot, and I boil those rocks for about a half hour to 45 minutes. Now, boiling the rocks is going to remove anything um, that might cause illness in your tank or basically remove any bacteria or any pathogens or parasites that are living on your rocks. So it is always recommended to boil the rocks for 30 minutes to 45 minutes to remove all that dirty stuff that is living on those rocks. And then you want to let the rocks cool off before you add them to your aquarium because obviously if you add a hot rock to to aquarium, it could possibly kill or injure your tropical fish. And voila, you've basically got free natural decor that you got from your backyard that you can use for your aquarium. Now, some people don't like using rocks in their aquarium because they're kind of ugly, but to me, they make my fish feel secure, and my fish like to hide in them, so they work perfectly for me, in my opinion. I've never, ever had a problem using uh, rocks from outside or rocks from a pond in my aquarium. If you live near a pond like I do, you can go out and start picking up rocks and start boiling them and adding them to your aquarium. Hey, you're using the natural resources to your advantage. Free natural resources, in my personal opinion. Okay, we have a caller here on the aquatic line. That is uh, wonderful. You are now live on the line, live on the line. with Alex Cardinelli. Hi, you're now live on the aquatic line on this fine Tuesday evening, and thank you so much for calling in. Thanks, Alex. Um, from Texas down here. I just had a few questions for you. Okay, sounds great. Okay, so I see a lot of people going to Hobby Lobby and getting the plants for their aquarium. Now, I don't know if that's probably safe or not, but, I mean, I see a lot of people doing them. What do you think about that? The uh, Hobby Lobby artificial plants? Uh, no, they're just fake plastic plants. Oh, uh, um, I don't know if I would actually add that to my aquarium because I think some of those plants are actually painted in color, and that paint could actually come off into the aquarium water and, and cause some harm to your fish. So I don't know why people actually go to Hobby Lobby and buy some of their uh, plastic plants that are there. I definitely would not recommend it because it could cause harm to your fish. And um, I actually like the uh, plastic plants that a lot of the pet stores sell. So if any of our listeners out there love having plastic plants in your aquarium, I definitely recommend going to your pet store 
or your local fish store and getting them there. I know that uh, some of the pet stores out there, like PetSmart and Petco, will actually have sales on plastic plants and stuff for your aquarium. But no, I definitely do not think it's okay to go to Hobby Lobby or Walmart or any of those stores and uh, buy plastic plants because it can cause harm for your aquarium. But I I think that uh, plants are cool in an aquarium, though. Oh, yes, definitely. I I myself don't have plants, but I've seen it on Facebook several times. And I was just, I was kind of curious. I said, wouldn't that kind of hurt your fish, you know, in the long run? So you kind of answered my question there. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. I love answering any questions that uh, people have. And uh, I definitely think that the uh, Hobby Lobby plants could uh, eventually harm the fish. So, like I said, I definitely recommend getting plants from your fish store and your pet store and uh, things of that nature. Right. Okay, I have another question for you. Okay. Okay. You're getting re- you're getting into rocks. Okay. Yeah. How how would you know to say if you were out walking around, you found some rocks that you'd like to put in your tank? What exactly would you do to test it to make sure it's a aquarium safe? Well, first you want to make sure that it doesn't have any chemicals in it. So what I do is I look for rocks that um, are smooth and there's no bumps or there's no, like, little particles on them. If you see, like, a white rock with particles or anything, that's a rock you don't want in your aquarium. Right. You, want your, you don't want any rocks that are very porous or anything of that nature. You want a nice, smooth rock that is nice, dark in color. Um, a lot of the rocks are safe for aquariums, but I would avoid any ones that look like ceramic material or any ones that look like, like, look like bricks in appearance. You want rocks that are nice and smooth. Um, and a lot of rocks you could use for aquariums, but there are some out there that might have things in them that might cause harm in your aquarium. I definitely would not recommend using brick rocks or um, cement rocks or any rocks of those nature. You can use uh, rocks that you find out in the woods or near ponds. Those are the rocks that I recommend using. Um, the rocks that are, are curved you can use as well. But for okay. science, look for rocks that you can't use in an aquarium. Like I said, they should, they should be, like, brown color and smooth, right. and they should not have anything on them, uh, and they should be good okay. to go. But if you do find a yeah. rock and you think you want to use it in your aquarium, I recommend uh, boiling it for 30 to 45 minutes. Okay, on the stove will be just fine. It won't bust open or anything. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to explain because some rocks uh, you might be unsure of, and, I think a lot of rocks could be used in an aquarium, but there are some that um, you shouldn't be used, like the white ones. That the, I'm not sure the name of the white ones, but they're dangerous to fish. Okay. Okay. What about uh, you know, I see a lot of people using, say, like pottery, like uh, small plant pot, pots kind of thing, and cutting a hole in them and stuff like that. Or how how are those safe compared to a rock? Those are fine for fish. The, uh, the pottery, uh, pottery plant pots are very awesome for fish. Um, a lot of people like to use those to breed fish in, like discus, angelfish, and uh, festivums, and some other cichlids like to breed in those. And those are actually good for plecos and uh, loaches and other fish to hide in. So those are, those are safe for the aquarium hobby. Okay. Also, say, okay, say I've got plenty of rocks, and I know what I want to do with my aquarium, and I want to put the rocks in my aquarium, how many rocks and or how much weight of rocks should I be able to put in my tank without it busting out the bottom of it? That's, that's a very I, tough question. Oh, go ahead. I mean, just how would I, how like, say if I had a 55-gallon aquarium and I had 
30 rocks. They're probably about the size of your hand. What what exactly, like, if, you were to, if I was to do that, how would I calculate on putting them in there and not hurting my tank? That's a, that's a very tough question. So first I recommend that you um, would have some, some sort of substrate at the bottom to protect the rocks from falling and cracking the aquarium. So you can use, like, a fine gravel or a fine sand for that. It'll... It'll let a little bit of leeway for you, but not much, but it'll prevent your tank from cracking. And I certainly would not recommend piling up the rocks because um, that adds a lot of weight to your aquarium. If you want to pile them up, I recommend maybe two or three, but I wouldn't pile them up to the top. Um, You can actually uh, ruin your seals that way too. But I recommend, like, adding them all over the tank. That way the balance is is uh, balanced out so that there's less worry of the tank cracking. But I've never seen a tank crack from rocks. Um, right, older right. tanks I'd be worried about. Because that's a lot of weight. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Older tanks I'd be worried about with rocks. So if you have an older tank, I want to put that many rocks in, maybe one or two at most. Uh, but if it's a newer tank, you could probably get away with having a couple of rocks. But like well, I said, I, do not pile them up on top of each other and uh, space them out. Right, right. I've noticed that, like, I have a 55-gallon that's probably from the 80s, and then I've also got a 55-gallon from the dollar-per-gallon dollar sale at Petco. And you got to – I mean, the glass thickness is just amazingly different. You pick up a, the 55-gallon that was made in the 80s, so now it's way heavier. And I don't know if it would be more durable or if it would be easier to crack compared to the new thinner-quality 55-gallon. Yeah, I noticed that with the older tanks. They seem to have heavier glass and thicker glass than the, the newer tanks. I think the older tanks are made a lot better than the, old, than the uh, newer tanks, and um, I'm not agree. sure about that. Okay. Well, I just, I just forgot to call and ask you a few questions, see what you kind of about that. So I appreciate that. You're welcome, and I appreciate you calling in. Thank you for taking the time to call, and I appreciate your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Awesome caller. That was awesome. That was my first caller in my uh, freshwater mania. So anyone else is welcome to call in at 1-347-989-8142. So before we had that wonderful caller, I was talking about rocks in an aquarium. So I think I pretty much covered everything about rocks. Now the next type of decoration you can have in your aquarium is driftwood. Now driftwood is a very nice type uh, decoration for your aquarium. Now, I personally like driftwood because I have South American fish. I have plecos, oscars, saffrons, chocolate cichlid, and a lot of other South American fish. And you find a lot of driftwood down in South America. And my fish love driftwood, so I think my fish enjoy having driftwood in their aquarium. And driftwood adds a nice natural biotope feeling to an aquarium. So I think driftwood favors a lot of uh, fish keepers because they love driftwood and it provides a lot of nice beauty to their aquarium. And I think driftwood is uh, very nice and a lot of fish keepers should have driftwood in their aquarium. Another type of aquarium decor is the plastic plants. Like I mentioned earlier, these work well if you are not familiar with live plants and they have the same feeling as live plants. They provide the same colors, but they will um, not 
require extensive lighting like live plants do, and they they can be kept with fish that eat plants like sewer dollars, and they, they are actually very nice in a tank full of discus and stuff. So the live plants offer a lot of great things. I mean, the plastic plants offer a lot of great things as well. Plastic plants are, are for me because I've never had live plants, so I prefer to go with the plastic plants myself. Now, the last aquarium decor that I'll mention is the pottery plant pods, as my caller mentioned. Those are great for breeding, and those are great for providing hiding spots as well. And you can also use PVC pipes for fish like eels and bikers for decor. All right, so that's pretty much all of the aquarium decor here on today's show. If you have any more questions on aquarium decor, please go ahead and call in at 1-347-989-8142. All right, so I see we have another caller here on the aquatic line on this fine Tuesday afternoon. This is amazing. You are now live on the line, live on the line. with Alex Cardinelli. Hi, you're now live on the Aquatic Wet One, and thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Alex, I'm back again. Sorry, I had another question for you. That's uh, fine. It's totally fine. I appreciate you calling in. Okay, driftwood. All right, so I bought two pieces. Whenever I went down to Dallas to a couple stores, I found two pieces that were kind of, well, I think one was like $7 a piece, and the other one was like 15 And I have yet to be able to get them to sink to the bottom. I've boiled them. And I've tied rocks to them, and they've been down there for a while, but they still won't stay at the bottom. What do you think I could do for that? This is what this is what I did when I um, had driftwood. I actually took a nice five-gallon bucket, like the ones that um, Home Depot's and Lowe's has. And what I had to yeah. do is I had to fill, fill the bucket with water every every day and place the driftwood in there. And I had to leave the driftwood in there for a a couple of weeks for it to become water submerged. So it does take a little while for your driftwood to submerge. You can um, submerge it all you want, but it'll take a while for it to finally stay put. So what I do is I take that five-gallon bucket and I change the water every day. And what that's going to do is that's also going to clean off your driftwood as well. It's also going to get it used to the water, and you can actually uh, put it in there for a week or two. And then you should okay. put some rocks on top of it in the aquarium. It should stay. But some people like to add aquarium silicone to their driftwood and uh, put it in the bottom of their aquarium like that. But I don't like that because what if you wanted to move your, your driftwood and you had to remove that silicone that could cause damage to the bottom of your aquarium. So I, oh, I yeah. like to recommend using the uh, bucket method that I do. Okay. Well, right now I've just kind of drilled some holes in it with a drill and tied a rock around the back of it. And so it's just it's been sitting in my tank for Oh, a month or two now. So, I mean, it still hasn't dropped yet. So, I'm just kind of waiting. I didn't realize that. I just kind of wait for it and it'll work out. Yeah, sometimes it takes a while for driftwood to sink. What you could actually do is um, place a rock on the top and on the bottom and the top. And the, you can actually place a rock on the two sides of the driftwood. It should be able to hold it down for now until it actually oh, okay. uh, until it actually is able to to, to stay put. Okay, awesome. I appreciate that. I just I may be calling in again. So. <laughs> oh, no working. problem. I appreciate your calls. Your calls are awesome, and I love as many calls as I can get. All right. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I appreciate your call. Thank you for calling in. 
All right, awesome. So I will be doing a Driftwood show where I'll have uh, some more experience on talking about Driftwood, so I'll be able to answer this question in uh, better detail. All right, so moving moving gears now, we're going to go ahead and talk about another topic here on the aquatic wetline. All right, so now we're going to talk about aquarium maintenance for your tropical fish. It's very important that you do aquarium maintenance. And I had a nice person on Twitter send me a link, and his name is Nicefish on Twitter, and I told him I'd mention this on today's show. So the first thing that I'll talk to you guys about in aquarium maintenance is daily preservation. Take time during your day to feed your fish. And during your daily feeding routine, check a few things in your fish tank. Observe and look at your fish. Take at least a few minutes to watch them each day. Get to know their looks as well as their behaviors. Now, make sure you keep an eye on them for any signs of illness or disease or any sort of aggression. Check the temperature of the tank every day to make sure it's running at a suitable level and the heater is running properly. All right. Now, as long as the temperature stays in a range of 3 to 4 degrees, your fish should do just fine. Always make sure to check that your filter is working properly and has enough beneficial bacteria in it. So always check to make sure that your filter is free and is able to um, prop, uh, function properly. Don't allow any bacteria to build up in your filter. Other way, otherwise, it will um, clog up and not run properly. So always check your filter. Now, a filter that is partially clogged or has stopped running altogether could put the health of your fish at risk. Now, Make sure you do plenty of water changes in your aquarium. And when you do a water change, make sure that the same water you're putting in or the new water you're putting in is the same temperature of the water that you are replacing. Now, you can clean algae off the glass once a week to make sure your tank looks nice and presentable. Now, you can also add things like otocinclus catfish if you have the community aquarium or picostomus if you have a cichlid aquarium or a larger aquarium. But you still need to clean the aquarium manually because, like I said n numerous times here on the aquatic wet line before, um, plecos will stop eating algae once they reach the five-inch range. So always keep that in mind. Now the next thing to know about proper aquarium maintenance is you need to clean your filter once a month. You need, I recommend replacing any filter pads once a month to make sure that you get proper uh, beneficial bacteria built up because the more you leave your uh, dirty filter pads in your aquarium, they're not going to clean um, your tank properly. So I recommend shading your filter pads at least once a month to make sure you get rid of all those dusty particles out of your aquarium. Now, when you do water changes, you want to vacuum the gravel or sand or bare bottom with a siphon to get all the waste out of there. 
Now, proper aquarium maintenance is very easy. You really don't need to talk about it too much on the aquatic wet line because it really isn't that difficult. All you've got to do is do your proper water changes, feed your fish once or twice a day, keep an eye on your water parameters, and make sure your filter's running properly, and always clean your filter and your fish should be happy. Now, if you notice that your pH is increasing or decreasing, you need to fix that. Now, to increase pH, if your pH has gone to a point where you don't want it to be, I recommend using baking soda. Baking soda will stabilize your pH. Now, if your pH has increased to a point where it's too high for your tropical fish, you can go to your fish store and buy something that's going to remove the high pH and lower it down to where you want it to be. There are pH buffers for sale at your local fish store. And also, driftwood will also uh, reduce your pH. It'll bring your pH down. And some rocks, like um, livestone and uh, some other rocks like that, will higher pH for African cichlid tanks as well, like coral rocks and uh, other rocks out there will higher pH for African cichlid tanks as well. Let's just say Ambiuna rocks will um, higher pH for... Um, African cichlid tanks, but like I said, I've never ever kept African cichlids, so I wouldn't know too much about them. So maybe one day I'll have African cichlids. And basically, that's pretty much it for aquarium maintenance. Now, if your ammonia is high and your nitrates are high, then all you have to do is do a large water change, and that will remove any ammonia and nitrates that you uh, might have in your aquarium. Okay, folks? So always keep that in mind. All right, we have another caller again. Hi, you're now live on the Aquatic Foot Line, and thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Alex, I'm back again. Awesome. Hey, I was kind of, I was kind of wanting to add in on like you were talking about like thickness in your tank. Uh, you know, like aquarium maintenance kind of stuff you need to look for and um, things that you can probably heal the situation with. If you don't mind me adding that in. Sure, sure. Go ahead. Okay, so I, I myself keep African cichlids, and I know you haven't yet, and that'd be kind of cool whenever you do it eventually. Um, but my thing was, is like, sunken in stomach, I know you kind of see that a lot in African cichlids, and usually after that, it's pretty much, they're pretty much done for. Well, I have found from New Life Spectrum, it's called Hex Shield, and that really, really helps out the... Uh, get the parasites out of them, parasites, and their stomachs fill back out, and it really heals the situation. I just kind of wanted to add that to, like, uh, the sickness part situation. And I also wanted to add something else, if, if you don't if you don't mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. No problem at all. Okay. Like, say if you've got your filters and, you you know, you need to change them out, well, you're running short on cash maybe that month or whatever it might be that you can't get your filters in your canister filters or your hanging the back filters or whatever it might be. I found that if you actually take the tank water and clean it out, it keeps the good bacteria in it, so like you don't kill it whenever you run it under, run it under the water with the chlorine and everything. So, so you've already primed your water, so there's no chlorine in the water. So if you just take that filter pad and clean it out with that, you should keep the good bacteria and it doesn't kill it. And you can put it right back in. You know, just just in case situations you don't have that late night to Walmart or whatever you need to do. I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. Very good. That's very good advice. That's that's really important, actually. That's a good way to preserve any filter pads. So very good advice and very good information. 
Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave you be. I just wanted to call in and ask you thanks for that. It was over. Awesome. Thank you very much for calling me. I appreciate you taking the time to call into my show. It means a lot to me. Uh, you have a good one. You too. All right. So those are our first two topics of the evening, aquarium decors and aquarium maintenance. You are listening live to the Aquatic Wetline Radio Show, hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. What's swimming in the tank today? What tropical fish are we talking about today? Let's dive into the fish tank and find out. Feel free to call in at 347-989-8142 with any questions or comments about tropical fish or the topic for today. We'll see you right now here on the Aquatic Wetline. Enjoy the show. Tuned in live to the Aquatic Wetline. Don't be a scared little guppy and call in at 1-347-989-8142 for all your fish keeping needs. Okay, we're back here live on the Aquatic Wetline, and so far we have an awesome start to this week's episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday Freshwater Mania. So far I've talked about chocolate cichlids, salvini cichlids, uh, freshwater aquarium decor, freshwater aquarium maintenance, and we had a couple. We had a couple of wonderful callers on today's show. So now I'm going to get back into talking about some of my personal favorite tropical fish. So the next fish I'm going to talk about is a nice South American larger terrasin that hails from the Amazon, and this is the banded leoparnis. Now, I know way back when the Aquatic Wetline was under the free account, I did a show on the Leoparnis with my co-host, James Jones, but it's been a very long time since I talked about the Leoparnis. I think my, my last show on the Leoparnis was in 2014, like February or March of 2014, so now I have some awesome information to share about the black-banded Leoparnis. Now, the Leoparnis is a very cool-looking kerosene. As a matter of fact, the Leoparnis is a kerosene that does not need to be kept in schools. You can have these singly, but they do like the school, but they'll do fine singly, in my personal opinion. However, if you do keep them singly, please keep in mind that they're going to be very finnippy. Now, the Leoparnis have a tendency to be very aggressive, and they like to nip that fins. So always keep that in mind when trying to keep these fish. Now, Leoparnis are very nice. They get pretty large. Leoparnis are going anywhere from 8 to 14 inches in length. So they will require a pretty large tank. You're going to need a tank size anywhere from 75 gallons to 150 gallons. Um, that should be pretty sufficient for Leoparnis. Now, they do like to be kept in schools. You can have two two to five of these guys, or they can be kept singly. That, they're that aggressive that you can have either one or five of them. Now, they can be kept with cichlids because of their aggressive nature. Like I said, they are very aggressive, and they will defend themselves, and they will be kind of fin-nippy. So always keep that in mind. It definitely do not want to toss leopardness in with angelfish or discus or anything with long fins because then the leoparnis is going to have a all-day free-for-all buffet on the poor fish's fins. So keep that in mind. 
Possible tank mates for Leo Parnas would include Oscars, Jack, Dip, Jack Dempsey's, Severums, aggressive cichlids like Red Devils, Pacus, etc. So always keep that in mind that Leprinus will be finnipy. Now, their diet, they are um, carnivores. They're going to eat both meat and vegetables. Well, excuse me, carnivores is just meat only, but they are omnivores. So Leoparnas will eat both meat and vegetables. So you want to provide good quality pellets for Leoparnas, good quality fish flakes, market shrimp, lettuce, cucumbers, whatever. My Leoparnas that I had were not picky at all. They pretty much ate anything I offered to my Leoparnas that I ever fed them. And I think the Leoparnas are actually a very beautiful fish. I think they're very awesome, and I like the Leoparnas cherison. Now, would I recommend the beginner go out and get a Leoparnas? I don't think so. Why? Because they're very aggressive, and they could actually cause a lot of harm to fish. They will kill little fish and eat little fish. So I don't think that um, Leoparnas are for uh, beginners because they will kill and eat little fish, and need to be kept with aggressive fish. However, if the beginner did want to get a Leoparnas, I would personally recommend that a beginner does his research and learns about them. Now, Leoparnas are probably one of the only South American fish besides Pleco's that I recommend be kept with African cichlids because of their aggression. However, Leoparnas come from South America, and they require different water parameters, but they could probably adapt to living in African cichlid waters. So is there anything else I should mention about Leoparnas? No. Um, I've kept several of these before. I like them, but they're just too finnippy for me. But they're still one of my personal favorite fish, all right? Leoparnas are one of my personal favorite fish of all time. Maybe I'll keep them again if I ever keep anything aggressive. But like I said, they are very aggressive and too finnippy for me personally. All right, so should you have any questions on the Leoparnas, please call in one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two, 989 8142 or you can email me at alicecardinelli93 at gmail.com. Moving along to my next favorite fish that I want to talk about, and that is the clown loach. Gosh, a lot of fish keepers out there love the clown loach, and so do I. The clown loach is a very beautiful fish. Now, in my fish keeping experience, I have kept over 50 of these, probably over 100 of these. I love clown loaches. They're a very beautiful fish. Now, what I love about clown loaches is their personality. They have got the best personality you're ever going to find in a little fish. Now, clown loaches aren't that little. Clown loaches are growing anywhere from 8 to 12 inches in length, and sometimes even bigger than that. I have seen people having clown loaches about 14 to 16 inches in length. Now, clown loaches, they need to be kept in schools. You cannot have one or two clown loaches in an aquarium because otherwise these clown loaches are going to be very scared and they're going to develop some diseases and get very sick. You have to have clown loaches in schools. Now, a proper size school of clown loaches is anywhere from four to six or even more, more 
coaches. The more clones you have, the better. So anywhere from four to ten is perfect for clown roaches. Now, with clown roaches getting so big and having to be kept in schools, I'd recommend a 120-gallon aquarium and up for clown roaches. Now, what does clown roaches eat? Well, clown roaches eat pretty much anything. They'll eat snails. Clown roaches love snails. So if you have a snail problem in your aquarium, I know a lot of fish keepers out there eventually end up getting a lot of snails in their aquarium. Clown roaches are the way to go. They'll eat a lot of snails. They'll also love live blood worms, live black worms, live brine shrimp. So clown roaches aren't hard to feed at all. You can get them to eat flakes. You can get them to eat even frozen blood worms and uh, freeze-dried blood worms. They'll eat some pellets and uh, anything you feed them. I have never had a problem feeding my clown roaches. I even get my clown roaches to eat um, algae wafers and other foods. My clown roaches were not picky whatsoever, and I think your clown roaches will not be picky at all. So um, I'd like to recommend you guys go out there and get clown loaches. They're not hard to keep at all. They're very easy to care for, and I think you're going to like the clown loach. They're a very beautiful fish, and I definitely like the clown loach. Now, before my 150th episode, I did a show on clown loaches and red-tailed bodias that featured a lot of great information on clown loaches. So I'd like to recommend going and checking out that uh, wonderful episode right here blogtalkradio.com forward slash Alice Carr Network, and you have some wonderful information on clown loaches. I've talked a lot about clown loaches several times here on the Aquatic Butt Line, so I recommend you guys go and check out some of my previous clown loach shows. Now, do I think beginners could keep clown loaches? Yes, I do. I believe beginners could eventually keep clown loaches if beginners realize that clown loaches do get very big and they're going to require a lot of care. All right, they need to have clean water and um, need to be kept in schools. For beginners, you must realize the fact that you cannot just buy one or two clown loaches and expect them to be happy. They have to be kept in schools. So I recommend keeping clown loaches um, four to ten, like I said, in a 120-gallon tank or above. And, yes, a beginner could have a clown loach if they realize that fact. All right, we have another caller here on the Aquatic Wet Line. Thank you so much for calling in. You're now live, and I appreciate you calling in. Hey, Alex. I got another question for you here about clown loaches. <clears throat> All right. Awesome. So I have, like I said, I have African cichlids, and I've seen many people have clown loaches, but only one or two in an African cichlid tank. Is it? Do you think it would be okay to put four in with a, in a 200-gallon? Yes, you can have four clown loaches on a 200-gallon tank with no problem at all. I think a 200-gallon tank is uh, sufficient for clown loaches. I think you can actually do uh, maybe six or seven clown loaches in there in a 200-gallon tank. And um, clown loaches will do fine in an African cichlid tank, too. A lot of people will uh, have uh, clown loaches in an African cichlid tank. And I know a lot of people feel that clown loaches don't belong in there because of their natural habitat. But I think clown loaches will do fine in um, African cichlid tank because they'll adapt to their pH. Okay. I was just curious because I listened to the episode you were just talking about earlier today when I was reading meters, and I was kind of saw it, and I saw your hashtags at the bottom that said clown loaches. And so I was like, okay, cool, I can ask them this evening about it. And so I was just kind of curious if, like, because, you know, that you said they get huge, and, you know, sort of African cichlids, so I didn't know if they were – 
if they're a gentle creature or if they're, you know, they try to fight with the actual cichlids? They're actually very peaceful. Um, Clonoloches are, are not known to be aggressive whatsoever. They're very peaceful, and Clonoloches can pretty much live with anything from community tetras, community barbs, community live bearers, Oscars, and uh, cichlids. I think that the African cichlids might be the ones that try to, to bother them, but they will probably do fine with African cichlids. Okay, awesome, awesome. I was just kind of curious because I, I remember you saying something about they make clicking noises. And they act like they're asleep, but or they look like they're dead, but they're not. I remember you saying some stuff about that earlier today, and I just thought that was really neat. Yeah, that's very cool. I definitely do like the clicking noises that uh, clown watches produce, and I like that they will play dead. That's the personality that they have. They like to play dead and uh, clown around, which is pretty cool in my personal experience. <laughs> that's cool. I like how you said that. They like to clown around. All right. I appreciate it. I just forgot to ask that. I was curious, so. Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to call in. It means a lot to me. I love having your calls on the show. All right. Thank you. I'll talk to you here in a little bit. You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. So that guy is wonderful. I love having him call into the show. Anyone else is welcome to call in at 1-347-989-8142. All right. So I pretty much talked about uh, clown loaches. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and take a commercial break. Today's show is being brought to you by Hikari Sales USA, School of Fish, Inc., Cheesecake Spy Design, Paranormal Hour on Dakota Network, The Euphoric Network, and AC Food Reviews. They allow my show to be broadcast to you premium style, which means for two hours or more, and I am very appreciative of that. When we come back, I'm going to be discussing green terrors. I'll be discussing rummy nose tetras, otocinquous catfish. I'll be talking about the American Secret Association Convention coming up in Springfield, Mass., and much more. Stick around. We've got plenty more. Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania coming your way next here on the Ace Network. Right after a word from our lovely sponsors. Hikari offers a wide selection of aquatic diets to help you and your fishy friend find success. With more than 137 years of aquatic experience, Hikari was the originator of species-specific diets long before others thought it was important or trendy, and the first to bring unique products to fish keepers like algae wafers, the world's first diet specifically formulated for Picosinus, micropellets, the world's first micro-coated aquatic diet for tropical fish, Saki Hikari, the world's first probiotic-enhanced diet for koi, goldfish, cichlid, and now turtles. And Biopure, the world's cleanest and most nutrition-packed frozen and freeze-dried foods, industry trendsetters when they were first introduced. When you're looking for the best aquatic diets your hard-earned money can buy for your aquatic pets, look no further than Hikari. Your fish and your wallet will be forever grateful. School of Fish, Inc. offers everything an aquarium hobbyist in western Massachusetts needs. We offer the best alive stock from freshwater to saltwater and everything in between. We also have the best corals and live rock. School of Fish, Inc. carries the best brands of fish food, medications, and equipment such as Hikari, Tetra, Marineland, API, and much more. Stop by and check us out today. School of Fish, Inc. located at 1865 Page Boulevard, Springfield, Massachusetts. And we can be reached at 413-543-1994. We're open Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Closed Tuesdays. 
Check out School of Fish, Inc. That's School of Fish, I-N-C, on Facebook for exclusive deals, specials, and see what's new. Are you looking for something creamy, moist, and decadent in your life? Do you have a sweet tooth? Well, cheesecakes are the answer for you. Cheesecake by Design offers you a wide variety of cheesecakes and some wonderful flavors. At Cheesecake by Design, you will find a flavor just for you. Whatever it be. A red velvet cheesecake. A strawberry cheesecake. Or a cookies and cream cheesecake. We have tons of flavors to fit your needs. We ship fresh cheesecakes all over the United States straight to your door. So next time you're hosting a party family get-together or a cookout and you need dessert, order a delicious moist creamy cheesecake from Cheesecake by Design. Our cheesecakes are always homemade and made with the freshest possible ingredients. Check out our website and call 336-525-5120 with any questions or to place an order. Are you interested in the paranormal? Do you find it interesting when people tell ghost stories or tell you stories about things that have happened to them that they cannot explain? Then, if you are, join me, Andrew J., on the Dakota Network as I interview paranormal investigators, cryptozoologists, and everything paranormal. You won't be disappointed. So please feel free to come over to the Dakota Network. That's Dakota Network on Blog Talk Radio. And listen to me live as I interview these interesting people. I will have paranormal investigators on there that are going to share EVPs. They're going to talk about some of the more interesting stories they have. So please, come over and check me out. You won't be disappointed. And thank you for your time.
Taco Bell, Dunkin' Donuts, and much more. All of your favorite fast food places will be reviewed on the AC Food Review. Plus, I'll also dive into the local restaurants and give you some spectacular food reviews. So if you love food, check out AC Food Reviews on YouTube right now. That's AC Food Reviews. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our latest and awesome food reviews. You are listening live to the Aquatic Wetline Radio Show, hosted by a fish keeper for fish keepers. What's swimming in the tank today? What tropical fish are we talking about today? Let's dive into the fish tank and find out. Feel free to call in at 347-989-8142 with any questions or comments about tropical fish or the topic for today. We'll see you right now here on the Aquatic Wetline. Enjoy the show. Tuned in live to the Aquatic Wetline. Don't be a scared little guppy and call in at 1-347-989-8142 for all your fish keeping needs. Okay, we're back here live on the Aquatic Wetline, and we're going to do the rest of the show commercial free. We're having a great show so far. I've been talking about my favorite fish, and I've been talking about some of my favorite aquarium topics. So now we're going to continue talking about some of my favorite fish, and I've got a couple more awesome topics coming your way. Now, if you're listening live and you have a question or you want to talk about your personal favorite fish, please go ahead and call in. The number to call in is 1-347-989-8142. That, again, is 1-347-989-8142. All right, let's dive back into my favorite fish. I want to talk about one of my personal favorite cichlids of all time, and that is the green terror cichlid. Now, a lot of fish keepers out there either have kept or are keeping green terrors right now, and a lot of people out there in the fish keeping hobby love green terrors, with me being one of them. I think green terrors are a very nice fish. And did you guys know that the green terror cichlid is actually a South American cichlid? Yes, that's true. A green terror is a South American cichlid. A lot of people are under the assumption that a green terror is from Central America. No, a green terror is from South America. That is something that I found out myself. So... I think that the green terror is a beautiful fish, and I like that they're from South America because South American cichlids are my personal favorite cichlids of all time. Now, the green terror cichlid is a very beautiful fish. Even at the juvenile state, the green terror is very beautiful. Now, there is some confusion in the aquarium hobby because there are several species that are labeled green terror, but they're not really a true green terror, but they're still as beautiful, but they're not really a green terror. The true green terrors are very rare in this aquarium hobby, or at least in my area. So the green terrors that I I bet 99.9% of you are going to see at your fish stores are actually gold sams and white sams, 
or however you pronounce it. I know it's uh, it's, I know I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it probably is gold Siam and white Siam. I guess they pronounce it spelled S A U M. Um, those are what the Green Terrors are called. They're not really true Green Terrors, but they're very nice. They're very nice looking. And believe it or not, they're not really Terrors. They're less aggressive than what a true Green Terror would be, and they're very nice. Now, the Gold Sam and the White Sam is very nice looking. Now, the Gold Sam is going to have some nice green coloration and a nice orange trim along its top fin, while the White Sam is going to have a nice white trim over its top fin. They both look identical, but one has orange coloration and the other has white coloration. Now, a true Green Terror I have never, ever seen in my life. The only time I've seen them is on Facebook pictures and things of that nature, and they're very expensive. I know Jeff Raps from com usually might stock them. He has a lot of rare cichlids, so I'm pretty sure he'd be able to get his hands on wild-caught green tears. But I know they're probably expensive. They look totally different. They have different markings and different colorations and stuff. But I won't talk about them too much tonight because I know a lot of the green terrors out there are the Sams. Now, the gold, the gold Sam and the white Sam are going to grow anywhere from 8 to 12 inches. So they're going to require a pretty decent-sized aquarium. You're looking at anywhere from a 75-gallon aquarium working your way up to a 220-gallon aquarium. But they should do fine in a 120, 125, 150, or 180 gallon. Now, they are semi-aggressive, so tank mates would need to be semi-aggressive as well. They'll work well with chocolate cichlids, severums, oscars, jack dempseys, and some other larger cichlids of that nature. They'll do well with silver dollars. They'll do well with bale sharks, tinfoil barbs, flagtail partial lotus, and some larger cherisins and larger barbs. They'll do well with larger catfish like four-line pimodellas, sedantis cats, Oxidorus niger, and larger catfish. They'll do well with pictus cats and plecos and things of that nature. So basically, a green terror will do well with anything too large to be eaten. Okay? And they're really easy to take care of. Just make sure you provide plenty of clean water and you do a lot of water change. You can give them a nice diet. I have never, ever had a problem feeding a green carrot in my life. They're very easy to care for. Now, I have fed my green carrots Akari Cichlid Gold Pellets, Akari Cichlid Excel Pellets, Akari Cichlid Green Pellets, and they also got uh, blood worms, market shrimp, earthworms, live black worms, and um, so once in a while they would get a treat of krill. Now, my green terrors ate like pigs. They never, ever refused a meal. So I don't think that your green terrors, if you ever get green terrors, will um, be very picky to feed. They're very easy to feed, and they're a very cool-looking fish. I like green terrors. Now, the green terrors eat almost anything, like I mentioned, so they should not be hard to feed at all. Now, what I like about the green terrors is that the males will actually develop a nice cichlid hump that is very cool. I love the male green terrors. Now, that's not to take anything away from the females. The females are just as beautiful, but the male green terrors are going to deliver that nice cichlid hump that every fish keeper loves, that I love very much, a nice nice female and male green terror, but the male green terror gets that nice cichlid hump that everyone is after.
I haven't seen a large green tear in my area in quite some time. The only green tear is I see is the uh, juvenile one, but unfortunately it will be lunch to my um, sick to my Oscars, and uh, I don't want a green tear to be lunch. So if I ever see a large green tear in my area, I'm jumping on it. It's been a year since I've seen a large green tear, so hopefully, knock on wood, my next paycheck I'll see a large green tear in my area. Now, um, these are fish that could be kept by a beginner if a beginner realized that the green tear is going to get pretty big and they need to have a pretty good-sized aquarium. But I think a green tear could be kept by a beginner as long as the beginner uh, realizes that this fish needs a good filter, a big tank, and a good diet. Now, I will be having a show on the green tear here sometime on the Aquatic Wetline. I'll be talking about the care for the green tear and anything you should know about the green tear. So stay tuned for that, and I'll have some more information on the green tear. So that's my topic for green tears tonight. So I'm going to open the phone lines up and answer this caller. Hi, you're now live on the Aquatic Wetline. Thank you so much for calling in. Hey, Alex, I, I'm calling you back again. I got a question for you that's off topic. Okay, sure, no problem. Okay, what is, what exactly, uh, why do you like the Akari, I guess, is that how you pronounce it, Akari food so much? Yes, um, Akari Foods is actually one of my favorite brands, and I know a lot of my listeners are probably thinking, well, he likes Akari because they sponsor the Aquatic Wetline, but no, that's not really the case. I didn't know that. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why I like Akari so much is they actually have the best line of frozen foods out there. Their Hakari bloodworms and Hakari brine shrimp are the best out in the market available. And I really mean that. Um, I've done scientific research out there, and a lot of the customers that buy frozen food for their fish have always favorited Hakari, and I do as well. So one of the reasons why I favor Hakari so much is because um, I love that they have the best frozen bloodworms and the best frozen foods out there. They also make foods for monster fish, and I, I love monster fish. I have Oscars. I have a red tail cat and some other monsters like Iruanas, and they got food okay. called Mesivore Delight that is perfect for monsters. No other company has food dedicated to monsters, and one of the reasons why I like Akari is they care about every single fish out there. They've got food for my monster fish, but then again, they got food for people who have things like tetras and live bears because they have food for little fish as well. And they've got food for okay. crayfish and invertebrates called Crab Delight. So Akari has a lot of food for a lot of fish, and there's also food for turtles and stuff that Akari makes. So those are all the reasons I love Akari. Is Akari dedicates themselves to all the types of fish, unlike some other companies out there. Okay, so they pretty much cover everything, and they're pretty, pretty reliable and probably pretty healthy for the fish then. Yes, they are pretty good. Now, I know a lot of people are probably saying that some of their ingredients aren't pretty good, but uh, a lot of their food is pretty good for fish. The fish love them, so that's all that matters to me. Okay. Uh, I also have one more question. Um, okay. I saw, the other, I saw the other day that you had gotten a larger tank, and I'm not yes. sure if it was a one. If it, is it a 150? No, it's actually a 120-gallon aquarium. I was I was aiming for 125 to 150, but my fish store only had 125 left, and um, it didn't oh, okay. really look too big, to be honest. So 
I ended up grabbing the 120. The 120 was a little bit cheaper, and it came with uh, glass canopies and a light. So that was a big plus for me. So I ended up getting a 120. Oh, that's great. That's great. I was just curious. It looked really nice from the background. I seen a, a short clip on YouTube of it, and I was like, man, that's a really nice tank. So I, I just figured I'd ask you how you were liking it. So. Oh, thank you very much. I love the tank. It's a very, very beautiful tank, and it's got some uh, wonderful fish in it. It's a very, very cool tank. I think the 120s are a uh, very awesome tank if someone loves wider tanks. Oh, yeah, I really like that. I, it's more. It's not like the 121, right? It's just a square? Yeah, it's a square tank, yeah. Okay, yeah, I really like that. I thought that was pretty neat. I saw you had an arowana in there, and I was just like, I was just amazed because I don't really see too many arowanas. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, they're pretty cool fish, although they get pretty huge, but I like them, though. Yeah, you said something about you're going to probably rehome it in the future because yes, it gets uh, I have a friend that has a I have a friend that has a 300-gallon aquarium that's going to take him in when it gets too big. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay, well, I'll yeah. let you go. I just had a few questions. So. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you calling in. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so we've talked about green tears, and uh, we had a wonderful caller. So that brings me into my next topic, and that is my 120-gallon aquarium. I want to talk to you guys about something, and uh, if we have any live listeners, um, I'd appreciate your thoughts. You can call in and, and answer this for me, one three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. Now, I've been debating this. You know, I love my Oscars and such, and I love my monsters and fish. I love my monster fish and such, but... I've been debating um, going into discus. Now, my good friend Andrew Sinski and my good friend William T. have been having discus for a while, and they have some beautiful discus tanks. So I thought, I have a beautiful 120-gallon tank, and it can fit like seven, eight, maybe nine discus in there, and maybe I'll do um, a school of corridors catfish and a school of Romino's tetras and maybe throw in a festival in there. So I have been debating making my 120-gallon aquarium a discus aquarium, but I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure if it's something that I'm going to be able to do, but I'm definitely researching that idea right now, and I'm spending a lot of time focusing on it because I've been looking at discus hands and um, Kenny's discus, and there are some beautiful tank-raised discus out there. Now, a couple, of year, a couple of months ago, I would have said, Alex is never getting into discus, but after doing some research and seeing all the varieties of fancy discus out there, I'm like, wow, those are some beautiful discus. I'm thinking about looking into them. And I saw someone say that the uh, tank-raised discus are a lot hardier now where they can adapt to pH a lot easier than the wild-caught strains. So that alone is making me want to get into discus. Now, I obviously am going to go with the four-inch specimen to start off. I don't want to take on uh, juvenile discus and risk losing them. So what are your guys' thoughts? Should I go with discus in my 120-gallon aquarium? One three four seven nine eight nine eight one four two. Now, for right now, I'm thinking about uh, sustaining with my Oscars and my silver dollars, but maybe later on in October and November, I would probably consider switching to discus, and what I would do is I would, I would take my natural gravel out of the tank, 
put some black sand into the tank, put some driftwood and some artificial plants, get a nice canister filter, and voila, voila, my beautiful discus tank. So I'm actually researching that idea. I think I might do it. I think a 120 would look nice for discus, so we'll see what you guys think about that. I'll, I'll ask that question on this Sunday's um, Aquarium Central show, and I'll have more discussion on that, and I'll advertise that, and uh, we'll see if we get any callers for that. But we have a caller right now. We'll see what this, we'll see what my good friend thinks. Hi, you're live on your Aquatic Line, and uh, thank you for calling in. Alex, how you doing? All right, listen, I think it would be awesome if you made your 120 a discus tank. I think it would be pretty amazing. I was actually just listening to KG Tropicals earlier today about discus, and they're, uh, I guess something Hans, discus Hans, is who he was talking about. And I yep. was listening to that, and he was talking about, you know, you can buy them from him. And I looked on his website, and they're pretty cheap for like 30 bucks a piece. And I'm like, you know, that, that's pretty cheap for one discus, you know. So I, I think yeah, that would be an awesome, awesome deal if you did that. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I think the 120 is perfect for a discus tank. It's got the nice width that they require. Oh, I believe it. I believe it would be, too. I mean, I know, I know that you said something about, like, they couldn't have, like, a lot of flow in the water, as in because it will blow them over. Because, you know, they're kind of flat. So, And uh, he went on and on about it. Because he, he said Discus Hans was saying something about, you know, a beginner could have a discus aquarium, you know. And, I, and I'm kind of curious that everybody says don't buy them because they'll die. And I'm like, <laughs> why, you know, why wouldn't you get them? You know, I mean, I know they're $50 a piece, like if they're about three to four inches long. But if you get, the, get them as baby, you know, Thirty bucks a piece. I mean, I wouldn't see why that would, that would be a problem. Yeah, that's true. I think I'm going to give them a try because I've I'd like to tackle things that I've never ever done. So I think I'm definitely going to give Discus a try. I've tried Discus once, but I I bought from a irresponsible retailer or um, not a good retailer, and uh, they had parasites, so I lost my two Discus. But I'm definitely oh, buying no. it from a reputable supplier now. Oh, that's good. That's good. Where are you, where are you going to get your Discus at? Probably from Discus Hans or uh, Kenny's Discus, but most likely Discus Hans. Oh, cool! I, cool. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I just saw the prices for disc for Discus Hans, and I was like, "That's amazing price!" And I, that's the only person that I really know that sells Discus. I mean, we've got the auctions that we go to here in Texas, and they'll sell them for like three or four in a bag, but that bag will go for over a hundred bucks every time. Yeah, they're they're very beautiful. I think they're one of the awesome uh, cichlids of the South America. I love them. Oh, I agree. That's awesome. So I, I just wanted to comment on that. I thought that was a really cool venture you might take. So awesome! I'll definitely look around and I'll uh, ask that question again on this Sunday's fish show, and then I'll post it in the Facebook group. See what people think. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm uh, getting some more confidence in myself for it. Awesome! I, I think you, I think you can do it, man. So I'll let you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for calling in again. Bye bye. All right, so I just wanted to bring that up for you guys, but I'll talk in depth about that on this Sunday's uh, Aquarium Central show. All right, moving along, because we quickly only have 30 minutes left, and I got two more fish that I, or actually three more fish that I want to talk about. So the last topic that I'm going to talk about tonight is the American Cichlid Association Convention that will be coming to Springfield, Massachusetts. That's right, folks. The ACA Convention is coming to Springfield, Mass. this year. That is the biggest cichlid convention every year. 
That's right. The ACA is the biggest cyclic convention every single year, and um, it really is wonderful. Now, I'm looking forward to the ACA convention because I'm going to have the pleasure of meeting some wonderful people. I, for the first time, am going to be able to meet Mr. Sam Garcia, Jr., who I've known for a couple of years now, and he's a very knowledgeable fish guy, and I can't wait to meet Sam Garcia. And I'm going to buy an I'm going to buy a drawing from him so that I can hang it above my 120. So uh, I can't wait to go to the ACA convention and meet Sam Garcia there. So if you guys are from Western Mass, I personally recommend you check out the ACA convention this year. Now, if you are free and you live in Texas or another state, I recommend coming to the ACA convention because it has a lot of people from all over the United States coming to it. It's the biggest cichlid show of the year, and it's going to be in my home city. I can't wait for it. All right? So for more information, please go to www.acaconvention2015.com. Now, until July 1st, it only costs you $45 for full registration. Now, this includes access to all convention talks, the babes auction, the dry goods auction, the Sunday auction, the hospitality suit, and a goodie bag. Last year's had a retail value of $125. You will also be registered for the Sunday auction. Early registration ends on July or excuse me, early registration ends on June 30th. The price will increase to $55 for registrations purchased after June 30th. So starting on July 1st, it'll be $55 to register. So make sure you go to aceconvention2015.com forward slash registration.html to register for $45 right now if you want to go to the ACA convention. I'm going because it's in my hometown. Now, you can also have a dinner buffet, which includes Caesar salad, Cape Cod chicken, London broil, garlic mashed potatoes, local in season produce, rolls with butter, Starbucks coffee and Tazo tea, and seasonal dessert for $45. And if you're not from the area, they do go on side trips. I know they're going to the New England Aquarium and the Quincy Market for $50. It's on Thursday, July 30th. And if you have never been to the New England Aquarium, I personally recommend you guys go there. And they're also going to the Old Sturbridge Village for $40 on Friday, July 31st. So make sure you guys go to ecaconvention.com for all that wonderful information. Okay? Because they're going to have all the information that you need to know. There's also going to be um, tanks that you can borrow and uh, slideshows that you can see. And they'll be talking about cichlids and all that great stuff. And you can actually buy cichlids, too. So I can't wait to go there. I'm, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to it. Some of the speakers that are going to be talking include Ad Connings, Al Sabata, Charlie Grimes, Dr. Herbert Kurzinger, Dr. Paul Luzizi, Job John DeGrief, Laugh DeMeeson, Oliver Lacanis, Rusty Wessel, and Wayne LaBelle. Some awesome fish keepers and Sam Garcia Jr. will be at the ACA convention. So I'm definitely going. I live right here, and I can't wait. 
So the ACA convention is July 31st through Sunday, August 3rd, right here in Springfield, Massachusetts, and it's taking place July 30th to August 2nd, and I can't wait for that. It will be taking place right at the um, Sheraton in Springfield. That's one Monarch Place in Springfield, Mass., so I can't wait to go there. And I'm looking to have some of the ACA members as guests here on the Aquatic Wetline so they can do a better job explaining it to you guys. And I'll talk more about it this Sunday on the Aquatic Wetline. Um, I really look forward to going there. And maybe I'll do a live broadcast or maybe like a YouTube video of my time at the ACA. But that's a couple of months away, and um, I don't want to overthink myself right now. We'll talk more about that as time moves on. All right, so talking about our next species of fish here, we have the Royal Pocostomus, one of my personal favorite plecos of all time. Now, the Royal Pleco is a very cool Pleco. A lot of people buy this Pleco thinking that it's a fish that's going to eat um, algae, but it does not eat algae. A Royal Pleco will only eat driftwood, all right, and vegetables. People buy the Royal Pleco thinking that's going to take care of algae, but it will not. A Royal Pleco is a drift, driftwood eating Pleco. Matter of fact, all the Panicue species out there will eat driftwood and vegetables. So please do not buy a Royal Pleco thinking that it's going to eat, veg, uh, going to eat algae. It will not. All right? I had, I had to stress that to you guys because I know I saw somebody going to the fish store the other day and they were going to purchase a Royal Pleco thinking that it would take care of their algae, but the guy had to tell him, no, this is a Panicue species, and this Panicue species will eat driftwood and only eat uh, driftwood and vegetables. So he went through the lecture of how this Pleco had to have driftwood in his tank and how it had to eat vegetables like cucumber, spinach, and things of that nature. Now, the Royal Pleco is a very nice Pleco with a nice green pattern to it and a nice green stripe. It gets pretty big. It gets to be about two to three feet in length, so it's going to need a huge tank, like a 125, and it'll need plenty of driftwood. They'll eat driftwood. It's pretty cool how the Royal Pleco will eat driftwood, a very, very nice fish. I actually like the Royal Pleco. Very cool-looking patterns and a very nice-looking fish, a very cool fish. Now, the Royal Pleco is one that could be kept by beginners as long as your beginner provides um, driftwood and um, vegetables to it. Now, I definitely would not buy royal plecos that have sunken in the stomachs and sunken in the eyes because that's a sign of parasites, so always be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for sunken in the eyes and sunken in the stomachs because it'll be a good sign of parasites. Other than that, the royal pleco is very easy to care for and easy to keep. It can live with almost anything from tetras, barbs, to larger cichlids, and anything in between. All right? So, yes, a beginner could keep royal plecos as long as they realize that they need to have driftwood and vegetables in their diet. All right, we have another caller here on the show. Hello, you're live on the Aquatic Wetline, and thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Alex, I'm, I'm back again. I was going to talk about the Royal Placo real quick. Sure. I, I want to say I did fall victim to not having driftwood in my tank, not knowing that that is what they eat on. So, therefore, he ended up dying, and I just want to kind of prove your point. You are correct. My Placo died. I was 
you know, super upset. But come to find out, I got some driftwood that we talked about earlier. And then I went and got a gold nugget. And the gold nugget's doing great. So I just kind of wanted to throw that in there for you. Awesome. I love the gold nugget Pleco. And I was thinking that if I did go discus, I'd have a, some fancy Plecos in there. I'd keep my blue phantom Plecos and I'd grab a gold nugget Pleco because the discus need warmer water. And I'd also grab a, a, a royal Pleco as well. So that, thank you so much for approving my point. I really appreciate that. Awesome. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. And the, the gold nugget plecos are beautiful, by the way. You got a stunning pleco. I appreciate that. Yeah, he uh, he wasn't cheap. He was probably I think he was seventy dollars when we went went and got him. And I, you know, I kind of cringed on that, but he is so beautiful, I I couldn't help but take him home. So. How big is he about? Uh, he's about right now. He's probably about two and a half inches, right at maybe three. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. He must be one of those fancier kinds, but he sounds like a beautiful fish. Uh, he, he is awesome. Really cool fish. Awesome. So thank you much. Thank you very much for calling in again. I love your call. Thank you for being a loyal listener and a loyal caller. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. All righty. So now we're moving on down to my final two fish for today's show. Now, I know I fancied myself as a monster fish keeper here on the aquatic butt line, but I still do love the smaller fish. I love all fish, so despite what other people may think, I love all the little fish as well. Now, some of the fish that I like that are small are include these next two fish that I'm going to be talking about, and if I go discus, then I'm going to keep them with them. Now, the rummy nose tetra, a very beautiful fish. Now, I love the rummy nose tetras. They're very cool. I love that little red coloration they have on their nose. That's why they're called rummy nose, that red coloration that they have. They're a very nice fish. Now, um, the rummy nose tetra stay small. They're not going to get any bigger than two inches in length and they're very peaceful. They're known for their tight schooling abilities. They school very closely together, and they look cool. Okay, now, the Rummy Nose Tetra looks amazing. I can't get over the fact how beautiful the Rummy Nose Tetra is. Okay, let me get over it now, because i got to talk about them. Now, the Rummy Nose Tetra will do well in 78 degrees Fahrenheit to 84 degrees Fahrenheit, making them a perfect tank mate for discus. Now, Romino's Tetras will eat flake foods, bloodworms, and brine shrimp. When I kept them, I had no problem feeding them. However, the Romino's Tetras are kind of finicky during shipping. A lot of them die in transport for whatever reason. Maybe they uh, don't like being shipped. When my fish store brings them in, they lose about half of them in shipping. And they usually don't like bringing in Romino's Tetras because a lot of them eventually die. However... I see a lot of them available when I can't afford to get them, or I have monsters, so it's just my luck. But Romino's Tetras are a very nice Tetra that stays small, but offers a lot of great coloration. It is a Tetra that needs pristine water conditions. Their water has to be perfect, or they're going to start dying off. So I think that the Romino's Tetras are perfect for beginners. Oh, what did I just say? No, Romeo's Tetras are not perfect for beginners. I'm sorry, I was the opposite way. Romeo's Tetras are not for beginners due to their uh, picky water conditions. They have to have their water 
uh, the perfect way because a lot of the Romeo Tetris that come into the aquarium hobby are almost all wild caught. So they have to have pristine water. So their water has to mimic the South American biotopes where they come from. So you have to make sure that your water is acidic or soft, depending on where your Romeo's tetra is coming, for, coming from, because there are three sub, subspecies of Romeo's tetras, and a lot of them come from a pH of um, the mid-fives to the high six. So you have to mimic that. Some of them come from 6.8 to 7.4, so you have to try and mimic that in your aquarium as well. But all, but all of them can live with discus. I've had no issues keeping Romeo's Tetris in the aquarium hobby, but for um, beginners, I don't think that they'd be able to have them because they want to be able to make sure their water is pristine enough. Any slight water difference that goes, like the pH increases, your Romeo's Tetris can die. But I will do a show entirely on Romeo's Tetris for you because I don't, I don't really have no, enough information to share with you tonight. But I'll have an entire show on Romeo's Tetris coming up here soon on the aquatic wetline. All right, the last fish I'm going to talk about tonight is my personal favorite mini algae eater of all time, and that is the Otocinculus catfish. Now, the Otocinculus catfish is a very beautiful dwarf, mini algae-eating catfish. It does not get very big at all. Now, the Otocinculus catfish is a perfect algae eater for a community tank because it'll eat the algae that grows in the tank, whether it's ground algae or brown algae, the Oto catfish will eat it. Now, the Oto catfish will grow anywhere from two to two and a half inches, but not any bigger than that. They stay small. So you could keep Otocinculus catfish in a 10-gallon, 20-gallon, up to a 75-gallon community aquarium, or any bigger than that. And Otocinculus catfish is a very cool catfish because it stays small, but it's a schooling catfish. That's right. The Otocinculus is a schooling catfish that does well in a school. Now you can keep your cat in a school of 4, 8, 6, 12, 14, 18, basically I mean, any amount of school you want. I definitely don't recommend keeping them singly. They're best to be kept in a school. All right, like I said, 6, 8, 12, 14, etc. that do best in schools. Now, they can live with almost anything, but obviously with them being a small fish, I obviously don't recommend keeping them with anything that can eat them. I think they're too good with discus, but discus may eventually eat them. But if you keep raising your numbers, then maybe discus will not eat the um, autocinculus catfish. They'll do fine with ink if I've had my angel fish with autocinculus with no problem. Um, but maybe eventually the angels will eat them as well. So keep them with smaller fish and they'll do just fine. Now, odos for beginners, I don't know. Maybe, uh, but they tend to be kind of finicky with the water conditions as well. And I will do a show on auto catfish here on the aquatic wetline sometime as well. All right, so that's pretty much everything for my show tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the Aquatic Wetline tonight. This was a uh, great show. 
I'd like to say thank you to my good friend um, for calling into today's show. I definitely appreciate his call. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this great show tonight here on the Aquatic Wetline. I really appreciate it. It was a wonderful show. And thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen to this great show. Now, our next Tropical Fish Tuesday Freshwater Mania will be our fourth episode, and I'll be talking about some fish such as the Jack Dempsey. I'll be talking about fish such as the... Um, Jardini Irawana, I'll be talking about, um, let's see, I'll talk about some other fish. I'll have the Jack Dempsey, the Jardini Irawana, and some of my other personal favorite fish on that show. But my next episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania, is not going to be next week. It will be um, in two weeks from now, because next week I have my episode of Friendship Hour as a monthly series that airs here on the East Network. But our next episode of Aquatic Wet Lines Tropical Fish Tuesday Freshwater Mania will be in a couple of weeks, and hopefully we'll have our, our co-host, Fish Keeper Jeff, on here. He seems, seems to be uh, um, missing these latest episodes of the Aquatic Wet Lines, so hopefully he'll be back for uh, next week, our next episode. So, yeah. Thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode of Tropical Fish Keeping, or sorry, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania. I hope you guys enjoy today's show. So, fish keepers, take on and thank you for listening to this episode of Tropical Fish Tuesday, Freshwater Mania. I hope you enjoyed the show. For more information on fish keeping, check out all my wonderful shows by the Aquatic Wetline right here on the East Network by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Alice Card Network. I have another fish keeping show coming up this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern called Aquarium Central with my father, Nick Cardinelli, as my guest. He'll talk about how he got me into the fish keeping hobby and more. So check that out this Sunday live at 8 p.m. Eastern. With that being said, fish keepers, check out Hannah Pro Discus on YouTube. Check out Dakota Network on YouTube. Check out Slashmaster1989 on YouTube. And check out Mass Aquariums on YouTube, some wonderful YouTube channels. Take on fish keepers. Please share my podcast with your friends and have a great night. I'm Aqua Alice Carnelli, and thank you for tuning into this episode of the Aquatic Wetline. Today's, today's podcast is brought to you by Akari Sales USA, School of Fish, Inc., and Cheesecakes by Design providing you a fine two-hour podcast. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Aquatic Wetline here on Ace Network. Oscar Alex and his tank mates at the Aquatic Wetline hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget the Aquatic Wetline airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Standard Time, and every other Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, exclusively here on the ACE Network. Fish Keepers, if you enjoyed the show, please copy and paste the URL to your Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. Tank on, Fish Keepers, and Oscar Alex and the Aquatic Wetline swim away. The Aquatic Wetline is off the air. Good night, everybody.
Today's podcast belongs to the Ace Network, Alex Cardinelli Entertainment Network. It may not be reused, redistributed without permission from Alex Cardinelli himself. This podcast was recorded live from the Springfield, Massachusetts studio and Ace Network.